0: Thanks for joining us for the MEP Manufacturing Podcast, Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. MEP believes that there are some elements to a manufacturer's business, whether it's finding their inefficiencies, strengthening their internal processes, or even unlocking their growth, that can extend a manufacturer beyond its current limitations. So every episode, take a journey with us as we speak with manufacturers, legislature, subject matter experts, and so many more as we head down the path of manufacturing across the state of Massachusetts. Whether we're in Boston, Worcester, or out in Springfield, maybe even in the Berkshires, we'll be here every week and we'll explain to you more about manufacturing and what's happening right in your own backyard.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. I'm Haley Steele. And I'm Emma Mailman. Today on our podcast, is there really a correlation between Industry 4.0 and cybersecurity? We have our subject matter experts with us from Cinejax back again. We have John Sinopoli and Pete Morin, and we have our very own say cybersecurity advanced manufacturing subject matter expert um, from inside of Mass MEP and that is Rich Sullivan. We want to jump into this right away because right now this is a hot topic and knowing and understanding, you know, kind of what's going on with Industry 4.0 and cybersecurity, how they correlate with each other, you know, jumping into things along the lines of the architecture and that not being your traditional architecture, but how it actually flows, you know, through the architecture and design of the adoption of 4.0 technologies. So let's get started. And Rich, why don't you give us a little bit of a background as to your perspective on Industry 4.0 and Lean and the correlation to cybersecurity?
2: So I look at, at Industry 4.0, which is smart manufacturing or digital transformation as the next step in your lean journey, right? And industry 4.0 is not a a destination either. It's it's gonna be a continuing journey um, because you're never gonna be done. Um, There's always gonna be a a way to build a better mousetrap and a way to improve what you're currently doing, um, whether it's just manufacturing widgets or it's complete complex systems. And then, from a cyber security standpoint it's the same thing you know everybody started off with firewalls and, and antivirus software and they thought okay this is this is good we're done um well it turns out it's not the not the case and you know the next the next journey or the next level of, of that would be the, the zero trust uh, exploration and really zero trust is sort of like putting locks on every Door in your house, in addition to the lock that's on the, the outside doors, and having different keys for all your family members. Um, basically, it's just more layers of security. A typical network um, was pretty flat. You had a bunch of computers, a couple of servers, you know, maybe a router, and, a, and maybe a hub or a switch. Um, pretty simple, something like what I have in my house. Now things are different. You get people working from home. You've got you know cloud services. You've got software as as a service running. Most likely, you might be doing internet backups. Uh, you might have lo- you know, multiple locations. There's a lot more to consider, and it's only going to get more complex. You start adding things like you know internet of of things, you know industrial internet of things technologies and network, or rather. Uh, in infrastructure monitoring, you know, robotics, you might start tying your supply chain into your own network, monitoring, you know, where your raw materials are are at, and, and if your customers have received your goods yet, that kind of thing. Um, so it's only getting more difficult to manage. So zero trust, the, the NIST definition basically is, is that you assume that anyone on your network is maybe not supposed to be there um, as opposed to just having someone be able to plug in to, to a network connection point and giving them access to everything. So essentially, if you consider your network as already compromised, then you start layering in additional security measures to, to improve your security posture. As you're, as, you're, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking to myself,
3: can you imagine if, if we as people operated in that way, right? If we just didn't trust anybody, how, how awful that would be? Uh, we'd all be very safe from everything. I don't uh, trust anyone. But, but life, life, <laughs> life, would, life would not be fun. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I think you know Pete and I, uh, you know, we thought this topic, uh, although it's uh, a little far out there, uh, pretty relevant, you know, today the president has talked about it multiple times, um, you know, it is uh, what we would consider to be kind of a, an, an advanced uh, perspective on cybersecurity in comparison to you know some of the folks that we work with uh, in manufacturing in Massachusetts and and beyond, uh, but. Uh, it's it's uh, it's coming right, and, and and operating in this way uh, is becoming more and more essential. Uh, uh, you did a great job of describing it. I, I think uh, as we think about zero trust, uh, it, it is a it is a a technical concept, right? Um, in past webinars, we've talked about cybersecurity and how to approach it uh, as a business owner, right? In and thinking about it uh, from the perspective of like. A castle, right? And if the castle uh, is your unclassified, controlled unclassified information, or if it's your, um, you know, your, your sensitive or private information that we're protecting, uh, making sure that we have layers outside the castle to protect uh, from intrusion, including things like strong passwords, strong infrastructure, um, you know, IT security and controls, uh, all the way out to some of these human elements. Uh, training your staff on cybersecurity risk, um, and, and making sure that we even uh, consider things like um, cyber liability insurance, right? So all these things, you know, representing layers outside your castle—the the, the the big wall, the moat, the fence, the armed guard, right? Because uh, as as we look at cyber threats, uh, it's not really uh, uh, protecting them from coming in. It's it's being able to to slow them down, identify them before they get to the castle, because they're gonna get through some of your walls. Um, So in thinking about the zero trust pieces of it and how it applies to that methodology, how it applies to overall cybersecurity, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but I I think this sort of uh, sits more at the core, uh, a little bit geekier, some of the IT stuff, Um, but we would not be surprised if some of this guidance becomes part of the future expectation for NIST compliance or CMMC compliance, right? If it, it, it hints at it now, it's highly likely that this will be the evolution. So putting yourself in a position um, now to be ready for this sort of advanced zero trust thinking, I think is relevant. And some of the things Pete's gonna talk about in uh, how we separate and start to prepare uh, environments for, for zero trust, I, I think is, is pretty cool, so. Pete, I know you have some stuff uh, put together for us, is that right?
4: That's right, uh, John, but you're you're right in the way you're talking. And it, it kind of almost wants me to jump right into Zero Trust and, and how that fits into CMMC. But I think CMMC and other frameworks and security models, but I, I'm all going to talk to um, how Zero Trust kind of got started and developed. And I'm going to back up a bit and even talk about um, Haley mentioned some of the acronyms so just making sure level set make sure we're all on the same page trying to keep it a little high level I know I can get into the weeds a little and and technical but um, want to give just the overall high level look at how um, kind of these OT like Haley said the operational technology fits into this how it's changed our network model now that we're Jumping into this in manufacturing this in- industry uh, 2.0 or 4.0, 2.0 was a while back. Not for some companies,
2: but still in industry
4: industry. Yeah, 2. You're 0. right. Yeah. For many years, um, OT, which is your operational technology, that operational technology is falling into that industrial control. So when you're looking to automate your uh, manufacturing facility, you're going to pull in many of these industrial control systems, the SCADA, the PLC, the uh, HMI, the human machine interfaces, the things that are interacting with your equipment uh, for production. But now we're getting into this new technology that it's not just internet of things, it's the industrial internet of things. Traditionally, when we talked about internet of things, it would be like at home uh, controlling your HVAC system with a thermostat that's connected to the internet, um, your music system and lighting and things like that. But that's coming into, the, um, into manufacturing now at, at a different level. So it's almost like a... Um, a higher level SCADA or PLC system. It's got more technology built in, greater connectivity to uh, the internet and how you can control things uh, remotely through the internet.
1: So obviously you said industry 2.0 earlier and Rich kind of chuckled and said, we're still there, but we also talk about this flat network uh, and what is that? And is it harmful or not when with manufacturers?
4: We're doing a lot of cybersecurity and CMMC assessments that we're walking into facilities and still finding this flat network topology. And it doesn't mean that's wrong for your organization. It could work uh, perfectly well, but as we move into industry 4.0 and we're putting all these devices we talked about online with the other communication devices, this becomes uh, more complex that we do need to start layering this um, when John spoke to yeah those layers, and that um, it's not just about we talk a lot about the security on a, um, a user level and, and password, and how they're going to learn to um, strategically know what what seems to be um, A potential issue or risk and and try to block that but this is in that inside of that castle and moat environment so you're in the castle we thought for so many years put that firewall up everything would be protected because we're just operating in that kind of bubble that we're not um, trying to connect out to the internet with too many of those control systems but now that's all interconnected Um, we have remote workers that we brought in So as we add this, it it became um, more complex. So what are some of those challenges protecting those systems as we introduce some of these um, industrial control systems, things like that, integrating um, things that have now wireless and Bluetooth um, connectivity that we need to protect it at that level. We're not just um, at that Oh, we have a wireless device that's a PC. Now we have IoT devices that are are uh, wireless and Bluetooth capability. Have we patched um, both those areas, or considered what we need to protect from that from that uh, perspective? Um, we have a lot of threat actors out there, so they're looking um, for a lot of ways to exploit these vulnerabilities, like these wireless and Bluetooth um, devices that are out there. So.
1: Okay, so Pete, can you give us a little insight into this super dark, malicious world of what's out there, what goes on when it comes to attackers going after the industrial control systems versus just maybe attacking, you know, your traditional PCs?
4: Traditionally, it was, okay, let's try to infiltrate someone by um, sending them a, a compromised email with an attachment, getting them to click on it. That might still be the way that a tool like called PipeDream, it's the latest in malware. Um, it's a complete tool set. So once um, this has not been found out in industry yet, it just was released that it does exist. It's a risk. Threat actors are going to start utilizing this tool set to um, infiltrate networks, take control of uh, things like your um. Inv- your anything in your, your industrial environment. It can, can take control of SCADA systems, your um, all those devices we talked about in IOT. So kind of um, infecting those and giving that threat actor some leverage over uh, controlling that, whether that be on the Colonial Pipeline Pipe back last year. That was one of the concerns with that is if the control system was compromised, um, that threat actor now has the ability to start um, changing pressure in the system or shutting down legs of that pipeline altogether. So understanding. Sorry, I
3: I know that. Uh, so in Florida, that something like this happened, right? I hope I'm not stealing into your thunder. I, nope. I haven't seen. <laughs> but in Florida, something like this happened. I don't think it was pipe dream, but a pretty real world example, right, of where. Uh, a plant operator in, in Florida was infected with some sort of malware and somebody took over this machine and started increasing chemicals in, into the water supply in Florida, right? So, so pretty, pretty freaky stuff. I, I think in this case, they were able to kind of grab it before, uh, before any sort of real permanent damage was done and there were other control systems. In there, but uh, I, I believe the Secret Service and the FBI got involved in that, and it was a small town water supply, uh, you know, shop that, that didn't have a really strong cybersecurity posture. So, um, you know, the, the risk involved with with this stuff, um, depending on, on, on what anybody listening is doing,
4: I mean, pretty pretty large. That's right, and that 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 event. Um it does seem related mostly to a Windows PC that was infected, but was connected to that control system, was able to alter the the controls on how that um, how the water supply was handled. Um, this is taking that to that next level, like because this is so new, this would give them the ability, if there wasn't a Windows PC involved, that they could hit a targeted PLC. And there have been malware tools like this in the past, but the the concern with this one is that it's hundreds, maybe even thousands of different types of uh, PLCs that are in the uh, that are installed and working in the industrial environment that could be affected by this if it were able to spread through someone's environment. I it, uh,
3: think it, it's uh, we were joking about this a little bit yesterday, right, Rich? And you know how you know how is it that there are people out here that that do this sort of stuff, right? Uh, you know the fact of the matter is it's fun, right? If you <laughs> if if you uh, have these skills and you um, know how to kind of poke around and look for opportunities um, you know, they, they, for, for folks, uh, you know, th- these are people who are extremely passionate about their work. They just, this is great for them. They, they, they love it. They'll, uh, they'll get into a system. They'll look for an environment um, that has some opportunities and then just see what they can do. And uh, once you start to get some information in there and you realize you can do more and more, um, it, you know, it just makes it easier. And, and so, the evolution of some of this malware, you know, moving on to systems beyond common stuff like Microsoft Windows, uh, it's inevitable, right? Um, and you know, not not to to beat a dead horse, but you know, it's these layers. Uh, you, you have to have layers. There's there's no wall here that's going to keep them, uh, you know, from this. But if we have seven layers in front of our industrial control systems, you know, that can minimize the opportunity for somebody to get in here. And, and potentially do some some damage, um, you know, is is critical. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, if uh, if if there are folks living in your environments right now and they can see some of these industrial control systems, for them to develop a little bit of malware to target those things, if their standards across that technology, it's really not a lot of work. It's pretty fun for them. It's crazy.
2: I think that the driving force for them really is is the it's human nature to want to explore. Yeah. Right? And and what they're doing is just they're just exploring, but from the comfort of their their laptops, and they say, "Oh, hey, look! I here's an opening. Here's here's someplace I can I can sneak into. And here's let's see what's what's in, in here." And then it just kind of morphs into this. Hey, I wonder what happens if I push this button. And, and yeah, it's, it, it's it a combination look, right. of, of the exploring and the and the curiosity. And that it just goes downhill from there. Right. Holy moly, I can do this. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And in the past, so this is why there was such a clear um, line between what was considered IT and OT, operational technology, is that people that dealt with the PLCs and all these control systems felt like that was a very sp- a specific field and they were trained a little different than the IT uh, professionals, but now it's coming together and, and it's all like an, an IT controlled item on the network, something that um, IT professionals now understand and can help protect. Um, so from, from that perspective, like we spent so many years kind of divided and separated um, those that were protecting IT and then OT and those OT or industrial control systems were kind of like the Mac or Linux systems of the past that, oh, they're safe. We don't have to do anything additional prote- to protect them. But no longer the case, like you said, there um, there are all kinds of toolkits out there that are fun to explore. And that's how Pipe Dream came about. It's an entire tool set of how you could kind of um, infect and take over control of someone's network.
3: I remember uh, uh, you know, probably I don't know 10, 15 years ago taking a public tour of a prime uh, DoD contractor's facility, uh, and they're showing off some of their uh, some of their warship technology. Uh, and, and being a curious IT mind, I, I asked a few questions about how some of these things were working, and was pretty sort of amazed at, at, at you know how. Linux was kind of a primary, you know, operating system, you know, for some of these warships, um, you know, but their security was in the closed system, right? It, it's, it's, it's something that's localized and secured physically. Uh, and I think what we're saying here is, you know, that, that time is, is over, right? I, I, the, the connectivity is essential, um, you know, for that warship. You know to be able to communicate uh you know back to back to the united states to to be able to deal with that, whatever threats it sees uh so so that closed system um if not segmented properly is at risk um and and we live in a world where it's pretty easy to to put it at risk so pretty important stuff
4: so exactly the segmented network john just spoke of segmenting it out that's the evolution of our network topology has been that and We're going to now jump into, well, how it has the segmented network. So we have areas now, manufacturing's listed here, remote power systems, remote offices, um, you have your dev may be large enough to have like a development crew or, your core processes, all those things might need different layers of security to protect them. Maybe even protecting just internally, um, any protecting from lateral spread from one division to the next, or when you consider manufacturing that you don't have a risk of those um, operational technology devices um, causing some kind of spread or risk to the rest of the network and vice versa. But that segmented network has not gone away. Um, a lot of people are starting to talk about zero trust and that it it seems like this framework, but it, or a, I'm sorry, more of a another topology or segmented network. It's using a lot of the pieces that we developed in network segmentation and, and the security tools and just and expanding on those. So it's more of a framework. Um, when we start going down this list of what makes that, that zero trust, like Rich talked to earlier, it is a, a trust no one type environment. So anyone um, traditionally, if you were on the network and you um, authenticated to some central Um, identity management system, then you are good to go. Like you could kind of move around and access other devices. This is every time it's saying, if you're going to be in a zero trust network, every time you touch anything outside of maybe your device, you're going to be authenticated. Um, You want to use access control. So least privilege and down in your access management. Um, I threw in like your multi-factor, so you can't just have a single way to sign in anymore. So uh, if you read through this list, as you look through these items, this is what, like the CMMC framework, if you're familiar with that and need to meet this for for a DOD contract, this correlates to the CMMC framework. Um, We may be putting in just some of these tools to solve that, but it, it's the same tool set to meet many of the zero trust requirements that we're already doing to so that you could process CUI or store CUI safely. Um, as we look at uh, zero trust, like um, the confusion here is, well, how are we going to do this on all devices or how do all devices stay safe? So it's Maybe moving toward that passwordless environment. so it's not just a password, but it's a security key that's like a key that's on each device, and there's data or um, or physical um, parts or software pieces of that device you're connecting with that it's identifying that says, "Oh, it has this piece of software, this type of hardware in it. you're Many ways we identify a network card is by MAC address. It might be saying a MAC address. Um, So different layers to, to authenticate to say, yes, this device is secure. But the other requirements for CUI is to encrypt that CUI data from end to end. The zero trust framework operates under that same model that, okay, now you're authenticated, but any communication, even in that authentication process, but then after is going through some kind of end-to-end um, encrypted model.
2: Uh,
3: so, in in I think what you're saying, Pete, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of similar to when we walk in uh, to a, a potential client site and, and we start talking a little bit about IT and uh, putting them in a, in a better place to be scalable and secure. There's, there's kind yes. of a minimum buy-in there, right? There's, a, there's an architecture or an infrastructure there that's required for us to even consider uh, talking about some things like like zero trust um, it, it, to, to go to use that IT analogy, we can't build an enterprise network with a $20 router from Staples, right? The minimum right. buy-in here is that we we need an enterprise-class device that allows network segmentation. Probably costs more, like $1,500, uh, to even play the game. And so, when we're when we're thinking ahead and thinking about the potential to even digest something like this, some of these bullets that you have. Are kind of minimum buy-in, right? We 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 can't talk about zero trust um, until we're culturally, sort of, uh, a, a policy, procedure, uh, and investment, uh, working with with some of these these uh, more secure technologies.
4: And what sped this up even more is. Um what we saw in COVID and and uh, more people working remotely. So it it kind of, the zero trust framework and model has been out there for a long time. These tool sets have been out there, but now you had this rush for all these employees to work remotely. Well, how are we going to protect that? The traditional model for that was what we call a VPN, virtual private network. So you would connect back to the central office. But now we have all these cloud computing um, options that, Uh, for storage or for identity management, so access control and management that are out there. Um, You could say Azure for Microsoft Azure, it's available in AWS. Many of these tool sets are uh, the big three, the Azure, AWS, and and Google's platform. So um, it doesn't really matter what platform you're on, they are all building out tool sets that, that follow this model for the zero trust.
2: And it comes down to really a, a cultural change to a great degree as well. It's because it's, some of this stuff doesn't cost anything to, to deploy, um, but you have to just think differently really and, and get everybody on the, on the same page and don't necessarily trust everyone to access everything. I, I had a, a year of uh, credit report monitoring because the previous company I worked for didn't have their act together you know, from their information security standpoint, and somebody, an employee, got in, got access to, to a bunch of private information, that, that you know, employee information that they weren't supposed to have. So um, you, can't, you can't necessarily trust everybody on your staff to, to be above board.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, there's, there's some simple things, right? Wi-Fi is a common culprit. Um, You know, most of us have a guest Wi-Fi network, right? And again, I am promise we're not going to get too, too geeky, but I think this stuff's cool. (laughs) It's pretty commonplace for anybody who really understands and loves technology to jump on a guest network and see what they can find, right? If you're going to give us access, if you're going to trust me enough to participate on your network, even if it's out of the kindness of your heart to give me internet access, well, there are people out there who will take advantage of that. Um, and if there's an opportunity to check it out, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're going to do that, right. If, if I can even see a little piece of what's private, you know, on the other side of this, this wireless network, yeah, you know, they're going to check that out. So, um, you know, some of these, uh, things Pete's talking about, right. Are, are ways to isolate those risks are ways to uh, secure those uh, sorts of situations. Um, There's a lot to it, right? Of course, uh, you know, Pete's slide about, uh, and and retch yours, right, about what the world looks like today, using AWS, using the cloud, using different resources, putting different devices on the network. um, That's only gonna get get more diverse. And those those opportunities, uh, you know, we, we, we have to consider how we're gonna take those away.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very tempting to, to, to jump on the technology bandwagon and, and jump on the latest features. Um, it's cool. It's fun. You think, oh, this is going to make my life easier. Um, but you, you know, people often think of, of the security aspect as, as secondary, or they don't think of it at all, um, or they assume that these new features are, are secure. And that's just not, not the case very often. Mm. Um, so what's what's the low-hanging fruit like when you go into one of our clients and, and help them out with cmmc for example um where what are the first things that you can do very quickly that that give a big sort of impact mm.
3: uh, that's a, that's a really good question when when we have the opportunity to to work with a new client um we every one of us in this industry operates a little differently right there's a lot of it folks out there um our our standard our minimum standard uh includes what we would consider to be what you need right and so for for that uh it, it it costs a little bit more just just to be frank right so we we believe that the staples router is not going to cut it so um, you know in in working with a company like us uh, you know that enterprise stuff is included and so immediately in, in engaging with any of our clients there's a lift um, is it all the way there no be, you know because each each company is a little bit different and we also believe that you know not everything is solved with technology so we have to get to this point where uh, we can start to talk about those things and prioritize them appropriately uh, with each client, so you know that's that's a little bit of our our secret sauce, right we we uh, we have a baseline you know that we deploy that we believe is is non-negotiable, um, and that's evolving as some of these threats are becoming more and more uh, prevalent. Um, once we get there rich we we like to focus on uh, procedure process, some of the human elements, what are we doing to educate folks while we work with leadership to to strategize about some of these other things, what they cost, and the risk involved to each organization. Good example, if we're looking at a, a, uh, someone who's looking at CMMC compliance, a lot of this stuff is non-negotiable you know, in the next year or two, depending on the amount of business we're doing with a prime contractor and how much revenue that represents you know, to each client. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna potentially prioritize some of those technology investments depending on what, what level of business we're gonna do there. Uh, if we're looking at and, and working with uh, someone who doesn't do government work, well, uh, we're gonna typically kind of weigh that risk against what our insurance provider is asking us to do. Right, That's a big driver these days. We're trying to get cyber liability insurance. They won't insure us, or they're gonna charge us a huge premium if we don't meet these minimum requirements. Uh, or we're just going to talk about general best practice and what we see out there, right? Um, and, and we're going to prioritize that against risk to reputation, risk to, uh, to, to operational efficiency, whatever is important to that company. Um Hopefully that wasn't too complicated of an answer, but.
2: No, no, we we uh, do the same thing with Industry 4.0, right? You can't just start willy-nilly throwing robots at your factory without having a clue as to what kind of payback it's going to have, or if it makes sense to have a robot doing something. So yeah, you start with a plan. You know, you you have to figure out what your end end goal is and and how you get from where you are now to where you want to be. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah, you know,
3: there's.
2: There's a lot of technology out there.
3: A lot of a lot of folks who will repair and work on technology, but you know, for for us, it's it's very business focused. And uh, um, you know, looking at cybersecurity, and, and Pete and I, you know, again, we we come from banking, right? We, we'd mentioned that in prior webinars. Uh, cybersecurity was always top of mind for us. Um, right. So in today's today's world, in um, thinking about how that applies to all businesses, uh, there's there's a bit there that's that we believe is non-negotiable have to be
2: in place yeah. that makes perfect sense sorry Pete, you, you were
4: in the middle of i was i was just going to add that how how we tend to do like a cmmc or cyber security assessment is um typically that organization wants to jump right in and put tools in place like what's that tool that i can start right away with but we want to get through the assessment and then put that plan that strategic plan in place and even with cmmc don't feel like okay i'm going to put five tools in place and i'm going to be there at the end um john and i often talk to the to these clients about you know just get within reach we can put a plan in place where the majority of these tools are in place Um, you're in a strong position to move toward compliance Um, maybe there's a tool or two or a process that needs to wait until, okay, now I have a contract. I need to get compliant. We can move on that next step and, and finish things off.
2: Right. Yeah. And of the foundational stuff, it, you yeah. know, we talk about automating a factory and the last thing you want to do is automate your scrap, right? Because now you can make, now you can make bad parts even faster and, and pile up all the stuff that you have to reject. Um, so you really have to do your homework in advance and, and set up the foundational stuff early on. Makes
4: perfect yeah. sense. Uh, I wanted yeah. to quickly talk about why we brought zero trust into this today. Um, it seems like, okay, maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit, but uh, the DOD has announced that it is going to um, follow a zero trust model if... I know we don't have a lot of time to jump into that topic today, but go out, read some about it. It, 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 it To me, this could change CMMC completely. In the next year, the expectation is we're going to just follow the NIST 800-171 standard. Like I said, much of that standard is kind of zero trust focused, uh, but be aware that the DOD is is moving forward with um, moving away from your traditional VPN connectivity and security to a zero trust model. And how will that um, affect uh, CMMC compliance or the whole framework in the future? Right.
2: We had a question come up um, about uh, device, basically device security. Um, you guys get into to that, to, into like verification of, of hardware from a security standpoint, to see in this case a, a sensor product, um, I know typically that's that's done at, at the development level.
4: Um, so now there are tools though that are that are coming into play that in your Sim or SOC security operations, the managed detection and response, where you can go beyond just um, the agents. Typically, it's a Windows or Linux agent that's tracking. Those help too, because they'd see if it's on, if that sensor's on the same network as the other devices, the Windows devices, it would start to monitor and be able to tell if there was suspicious traffic on those devices. But there's um, even hardware tools you could put in place from some of these SIM or MDR vendors that um, basically sniff every packet that goes across the network. So it can start to protect down to the device level.
3: Based on a uh, based on like a, a NIST guidance, if you were to provide a standard assessment, I mean, I think that would be uh, your your third party uh, pen volume assessment, right? Um, so hiring a third party to come in and do port level scanning to scan your entire network for vulnerabilities. So if that sensor lives on a network that uh, is commingled. With the rest of the environment we can throw a device on a network and scan all all things right and 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 quickly kind of get an assessment of what that threat vector looks like Uh, and that is part of nist compliance right have you done that once a year and work towards remediation of those sorts of things when peter talks about network segmentation ideally that sensor doesn't live anywhere on a network that we or anybody has access to it's in a virtualized closed system uh, and so testing against that so that we can verify, you know, we, we don't see that sensor anywhere uh, in, in our normal IT environment is
2: also a, a valid assessment. So like like the fish uh, tank thermometer that the casino was hacked through. That's, right. that's you know, it's, right. It's it's these seemingly, you know, mundane irrelevant little devices that that end up you know being being the culprits in many cases. And you have Um, to,
4: that's a good point, Rich. You got to think about those too, that maybe this isn't um, a product that's well-known or uh, there's so many network IoT type devices out there you could throw on your network that be aware of what you're putting in. Are there vulnerabilities known? Where was it manufactured before you throw it on your network? Um, Have you segmented it to keep it on uh, away from the other uh, devices on your network? Mm. Yeah,
2: uh, and, I want.
3: Go ahead. Sorry, Rich. I want to make sure I'm just reading that question. I want to make sure we answered that appropriately. To if the question, it looks like maybe someone is manufacturing these sensors and wants to make sure that it is in of itself a secure product. Yep. Um, I, I, I uh, that's a that's an interesting one. Um, you know, I I don't know that any product can really be uh, locked tight depending on its deployment. Of course, we'd need to know a little bit more about what, uh, what that product does and where it's deployed. But some of these things we're talking about uh, would be ways that I would say you could market your product as secure, right? In, in that, you know, we've, we've done these assessments against whatever software or operating system uh, or, or, or ports are exposed on said sensor um, and, and, and validated them. But uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to make sure we, we yeah. answered that sure. specifically. Thank yep. you.
1: I always know at the end of this, John always has either a good tip or a story that goes <laughs> really well. I saw one today that I we 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 have to talk about it in another time. We we'll have to share it. You may have you may have seen it or you may see it in the next couple of days. A new um, kind of hack that's going on, but. I know you always have something. So something you can share with everyone today that will do our, as we call it, our mind-blowing session. <laughs>
3: uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I've, I think I've given a, a couple of, uh, of stories here. Uh, I, I do have one that we could talk about, but I do, I want to hear about yours. What, what do you, what do you have?
1: So today, I this morning catching up uh, on the news, watching the news. So there's this new Facebook scam that's going on right now. And it's on Facebook Marketplace. Everybody uses Facebook Marketplace. I would, I, not everybody. Okay, I know Rich. I, mean, I know, I should have, I sorry, I should know to practice things when I'm on a, an event with Rich. Everybody except for Rich may have at some point or another tried to use Facebook Marketplace and to sell something or to buy something. And the anchor off of the this news station out of Boston posted something on Facebook Marketplace to sell it. He received a notification back Uh, that said, I uh, like to buy. Can I pick up it today? And of course, he responded back in his message, uh, yes. And then the person said, can you provide me with your cell phone number so that I can then um, connect with you to schedule and pick up it today? (laughs) And then he said, yes. And then the person responded back and said, I now have a Google verification code just to make sure you are Who you're saying who you are and this is a legit thing good one right Mm -hmm. and so they said please send me the google verification code that will be texted to your phone number he received the google verification code sent it back in the text and said after that he knew something had gone wrong so i find out now that there's this uh, google verification uh, for your cell phone that verifies you to Google, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I obviously don't use this, um, and so basically, what's happening is it's kind of a layered effect. So they're getting a hold of your number to be able to use this and to go on and kind of scam others, then or open up other areas where um, they can, you know, verify things through this Google account that they now have your number and have the access to. People can pay them certain money for things, and it just gets layered and layered and layered.
2: It's Like hacking multi-factor authentication.
1: There you go. So I heard that this morning on the news, and I was like, wow, perfect timing for this.
2: For what it's worth, that happens on Craigslist too. You really
3: have to be suspicious. We joked at the start of this about imagine living in a zero trust world, how awful that would
1: be. Um,
3: But you have to be suspicious.
1: Well, thanks, guys. I know it's uh, been a lot of content for listeners today, but we appreciate it. And you obviously are always available. Uh, you can always catch up with our Cinegex guys. Uh, they have their own website and we connect with them pretty frequently. And Rich is always available too. So thank you guys for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Mass MEP Manufacturing Podcast Transforming Manufacturing Enterprises. You can subscribe to our channel anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can always go to our website at massmap.org. So we'll see you next time, whether it's our space, your space, or cyberspace.